We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Make it two losses in a row for the New York Knicks as they fell to the Celtics in Beantown 133 to 123 on Friday. The loss in that loss, there was a change to the starting lineup and a late injury to Jalen Brunson. Now, there's plenty to talk about around the Knickerbockers. So let's do it with the dean of Knicks Film School. That would be Jonathan Macri, who joins me now. Jay Mac, what's going on? Oh, you know, I'm I'm reeling, just like all Nick fans who had to endure these last two games. Not too much fun, but uh, hopefully the uh, level of competition going down just a tad will we'll bring some nicer things as we move along here in December. Yeah, looking on social media after this recent loss to the Celtics wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Now, as I said, the Knicks, they lost to the Celtics again this season. They're 0-3 against their division rivals. New York, they're now 0-5 against Boston and Milwaukee, and they have a 2-9 record against teams with winning records. Are you concerned, J-Mac, about those numbers, and does the team's recent performances this week against the Bucks and Celtics show that they're a middling team in the conference right now? Oh, my goodness. Middling. It's like going on a date and hearing that uh, someone really likes your personality. It's just it's not the words you want to hear at all. Um, Look, I think like 20 teams in the league right now you could define as middling. There's five really good teams or so, five uh, not so great teams and everybody else is in the middle. And I think the Knicks, like a, a lot of those teams on any given night, they could rise up to their competition if they're playing a really good team or they could rise down to um, their competition if they're playing a bad team, which we saw the Knicks do against Detroit right before this in-season tournament started. Um, I wouldn't worry just yet. I think we've seen enough good signs from the Knicks. I think the bones are good. Their net rating is still a top 10 net rating, barely, but it is. Um, I just don't think that they are on the level of these, you know, whatever you want to call it, four or five, six teams at the top of the league that when they turn it on, and and boy, oh boy, were the Bucks and Celtics on in these two games, um, the Knicks are just going to have a tough time keeping up unless they play pretty perfectly, and the Knicks did not in either of these games. They did not, indeed. There's levels to this, as we always say. We'll see if the Knicks at some point can level up. But before the start of Friday night's game, Tom Thibodeau, he announced a new starting lineup as Quentin Grimes was replaced in the starters by Dante DiVincenzo. Grimes, now, he was more aggressive off the bench, scoring 13 points. Yeah. But the starters overall, they struggled. Was the change to the starting lineup the right move for the Knicks at this time? 
You know, I, I think it probably was. Uh, Grimes, to his credit, uh, said he thought the move was right, which whether he believes that or not, good job by him kind of towing the or, or uh, uh, touting the, the company line. I think he had lost confidence. And I think for as much as we could talk about him getting more shots on the second unit or, um, you know, him getting, you know, the ball passed to him more, just generally more ball movement in that second unit. I think this was just about him being aggressive and him kind of realizing, hey, I don't really have much else to lose. I've already lost my job. Uh, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out slinging. And he did last night. I mean, he was really aggressive. He's the most aggressive we've seen him probably all year. Um, and I think when you are on the court with R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, uh, and that's nothing against those guys, it's different than being on the court with Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, who are two guys that are certainly all-star caliber players, maybe all-NBA caliber players. We'll, we'll see if Brunson makes it this year. So I think maybe that it was a little easier for Grimes to put up shots and not feel like he is taking food off of anyone else's plate who, who quote-unquote, deserves it more. Um, Still want to wait and see how, you know, Give me a good 10-game sample size, and then maybe we'll, we'll check back then. Yeah, we will definitely check back then and see how things are going with the starters and also the bench unit, see what the numbers are around that time with Grimes moving to the bench. Now, this is something Knicks fans are a little bit not thrilled about late in Friday's game. Jalen Brunson rolled his ankle when the Knicks were down 12 with about 20 seconds left. His status is currently unknown, but after the game, Tibbs said he didn't regret having his point guard in the game during garbage time. The Knicks head coach, you know this, J-Mac, he's known for having his starters in deep into garbage time, but are his tactics of playing starters late in games that have already been decided something fans should be concerned about? To me, this is a symptom of uh, who Tom Thibodeau is. It is It is not the... the like this is a man who wakes up every day and it is just about how can I win? I want to win every second of every minute of every game. And in his mind, he's not thinking, Oh, it's, you know, 20 something seconds left. I should probably pull my starters. He's thinking, you know, what, wh- what can I do to win the next possession? Is that always a good thing? Obviously not because if Jalen Brunson misses a game or multiple games, God forbid, um, it could really be something that we becomes more of a story. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of should fans be concerned about this particular thing at this point, we're what are we three plus years into the, the Tom Thibodeau era? You're either a Tibbs guy or you're not. And he only has one mode. He doesn't know how to be any different than how he is. And, uh, you know, if anything, I think this is one of those instances where maybe one of the assistant coaches should come to him and say, listen, might be might be time to call a timeout here. I don't know how their bench dynamic uh, works. I don't know if Tom would have, you know, snapped to one of them or whatever the case may be. But uh, if Brunson misses a game here or again multiple games, uh, you know, I'm sure Tibbs is going to have some regret, even if he doesn't admit it publicly. Yeah, well, we will see if anything changes on that front. But the experience has been what it has been thus far with Thibodeau in terms of playing players late into games that have already been decided. Last thing for me here, John. Knicks defense, especially guarding the three, hasn't looked good in particular in the last two games. Those games now, they were against two of the favorites in the East. But what's your level of concern surrounding the Knicks defense and how do they fix their current issues on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think they're susceptible to teams that are very comfortable um, firing away from deep. But not only that, I think teams that obviously can employ a stretch five, which Brooke Lopez, Christoph Porzingis both qualify as that. And then just teams that are really good 
moving the ball and putting the ball on the floor and passing because the Knicks are usually pretty good after the first domino falls, maybe even after the second. But once you get three, four, five passes into a possession, eventually you're probably going to make them crack because for as great as Mitchell Robinson has been, um, he is neutralized, especially against or specifically against stretch fives. And they don't have any other really high, high caliber defenders um, anywhere. I mean, Grimes is good, but he's kind of a little small for what they ask him to do. You know, Josh Hart is, is solid. I wouldn't call him an elite defender either. So when you get um, beat as often as they do uh, at the point of attack and, you know, you, you, you see the Knicks getting into rotations, eventually the dam is going to crack. And again, it goes back to what we talked about at the start. Against these elite teams, um, those sorts of teams are going to make them pay more than certainly the bad teams and even a lot of the, you know, the, the middling teams, to, to use your word from the top. So, uh, like I said, step down to competition. I, I have a feeling that we are not going to be as concerned about the Knicks defense uh, come a week or two from now. All right, we will see what the vibes are then. Next up for the Knicks, they've got the Raptors, who they host, and then they go on a five-game road trip, which I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about before they head out west. That is Jonathan Mackley, the dean of Knicks Film School, always giving me great insight around the Knickerbockers. John, be well. I hope the vibes are better for you. You are not a middling person. The Knicks might be a middling team, but, you know, <laughs> we'll figure th- they'll figure things out. I don't know about we. I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm not middling, but we'll, they'll, they'll figure things out, hopefully. My, my goal in life, don't be middling. Top or bottom, <laughs> that's where I exist. No, nowhere in the middle. There you go. Don't want to be in the middling. Thanks, John. Appreciate it, man. Later, Dex. Thanks. <laughs> All right. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We are back with the New York Sports Rapid Rundown. It was quite an eventful week of sports news in the Big Apple. This week, we're going to talk about the three hottest topics in New York sports, and we're going to do it with the executive producer of all the content that you see via Knicks Film School, the one and only Andrew Claudio. Andrew, what's up, man? Dexter, it's so great to be here, man. Thank you for having me. Man, I'm glad to have you because I've been such a big fan oh, of what you guys do man. with Nick's Film School. I know I've said this before to you and J-Mac. Love what you guys are doing. But I'm glad to have you here for the rapid rundown where we get to talk about the biggest three topics in New York sports this week. And the reason I'm excited to have you here, because we get to talk about all your teams this week. All of In them. this episode. Yeah. So we got to do it. Now, We've got some things to talk about this week, including Zach Wilson reportedly not being sure if he wants to start again, only to end up starting at QB in week 14. Another Knicks player is unhappy with their role on offense. But first, we're going to talk about the New York Yankees. Andrew and Andrew, on Wednesday, the Yankees, they finalized a trade to bring one of the best hitters in baseball, Juan Soto, to the Bronx. The Yanks, they upgraded their outfield and their lineup in a seven-player trade. So i got to ask you this. It's a big-time move for the Yankees after a disappointing 82-80 and 80 season. They went out. They got a guy they were rumored to get. So, with this move, this is the question everybody's been talking about. Is the evil empire back? So, it's funny. First of all, as a Mets fan, it is hilarious that the first question you're asking me is about the Yankees. Yes, and I, I messed up. This is not one of your teams. You're right. This is. But yes. I'm always happy to talk about the Yankees. I'm sure you because are. Because they've just been in my life <laughs> since I've started following baseball when they became the evil empire. And look, as a baseball fan, as someone that just like enjoys the game and likes to talk about the sport in multiple ways, you, you'd think that this is a, a step one of many for the Yankees as far as the evil empire being back. Um, so the answer to your question is, we'll see. We'll see what the next moves are. As a Mets fan, the answer to your question is, I hope not, because, you know, that that's probably means bad news for everybody else. But, like, the history of the word Evil Empire, the, the, the nickname Evil Empire, comes from that 2003-2004 offseason when they were competing with the Red Sox for players. They won a bidding war for Jose Contreras. The Red Sox owner called them the Evil Empire, and then they went out and got Gary Sheffield and Kenny Lofton, and they capped it off with Alex Rodriguez. I think the difference here now is there's no certainty Soto's going to be here past this year. He, they traded for Juan Soto. They didn't extend Juan Soto. And if I can toot the Mets horn for a second, I don't think Scott Boris is going to not give Steve Cohen a chance to bid on Juan Soto next summer. So the difference between when they were the Evil Empire is – they were the Yankees, and they could give you the most money. Now it's just that they're the Yankees, and we'll see if that's enough to keep them there long term. Yeah, we will see, and you're right. That is a major difference between what the Yankees were and what they are now. But with this move being made, do the Yankees still need to make another big move to improve the team, knowing that they're likely, if they want to keep them, have to pay Soto, who you mentioned is a free agent after the season, 
can they afford to get another big-name player? Because like you said, they are no longer the team that you know is going to get the player and also keep him. So do you think this happens where they keep Soto? Can they get another big-name guy here? So a reminder, these are not my people when I say speaking on behalf of Yankee fans. <laughs> but I can hear Yankee fans saying, can they afford another bet? You have another big move? They absolutely can. This is the most profitable franchise in baseball. This may be the most profitable franchise in all of sports. But... You look at what the Yankees need. They traded a lot of pitching, four arms, two of which were in their rotation last year down the stretch, um, probably their number one uh, pitching prospect. They're going to make a, an honest try at uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto over in Japan. It's supposed to be the next great phenom to come over here. And I, this is a, the first real bidding war between Steve Cohen and the Steinbrenners. So I say this as a Mets fan, if it's a bidding war, I think the Mets will win. If... Yamamoto doesn't want the most money, but a lot of money. It could be the Yankees, it could be the Mets, it could be the Dodgers, it could be any place. And I think the Yankees could absolutely, if they get that and finish off Yamasoto this offseason that Yankee fans are naming, <laughs> then I think they, they have a good chance to be favorites going into next season. Well, I'll tell you what, if they get Soto and Yamamoto, you know, and you know this as a Mets fan, mm-hmm. Yankee fans are going to be coming for you. Yes, they will. Letting you know about that for a while. If, if they win, they'll let you know that. Dexter, it doesn't take much for Yankee fans to no, 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 know it does not. anything. <laughs> it does not. It does not, yes. take, it does not take a lot for them, exactly. as, as, you, as you know, being around New York sports. Indeed. All right. We are going to talk some football. And on Tuesday, The Athletic, they reported that the Jets, they were looking to make another change at quarterback, and the team was leaning towards Zach Wilson taking over. Don't know how Andrew feels about Zach Wilson, but I'm sure we're about to find out. However, Wilson, who's been benched three times in the past two seasons, reportedly was reluctant to step back in into the starting role. Then later in the week, Wilson was named a starter for Sunday's game against the Texans. Andrew, what did you make of this latest QB saga surrounding the Jets. What do you make of all this? Please make it make sense. Make it make sense. <laughs> uh, we need longer than the allotted time today to make the New York Jets make sense, first of all. So I don't know if we have enough time uh, to, to go through what this franchise puts its fan base through. Look, first of all, you understand if you're a professional football player and you see this and you're like, it's a bad look. You know, Tiki Barber this week in the afternoons on WFAN was very vocal about, like, there's only so many jobs as starting quarterback and for you to voluntarily turn one down is a bad look. I also respectfully to Tiki Barber say this is also the Jets. Like the the most frustrating part about this, like you're a Steelers fan, Dexter. If Mike Tomlin benches Kenny Pickett and then a couple weeks later decides to go back to him, he's taking the job. Like other franchises don't have this problem, you know? Like if Belichick benches Mac Jones and then goes to Bailey Zappi and then goes back to Mac Jones, he's back under center. With the Jets, it seems to be this is the franchise where stuff like this happens, where the head coach is texting a radio personality and it becomes an entire drama-filled thing for the whole week. When, you know, the, the head coach a couple years, like, I'll go all the way back to Rex Ryan, all the drama that his mouth got the franchise in trouble with. It seems to be a thing that only happens here that I have a heart and understand if Zach Wilson's like, even if I don't even think Zach Wilson's that good, I can understand if he's like, I'm, 
I, I've had my, my try here. I'm good. And, you know, he's obviously going to start on Sunday, but I, I, can't any, I can't blame anybody for being like, I've had enough of this franchise. No, I, th- I think you make an interesting point there, right, in that this speaks to more about the Jets' culture oh, yeah. than the actual problem of, even though I called it the QB carousel and the QB saga and everything going on there, this speaks more to the Jets' culture as a mm-hmm. whole and something maybe, maybe fans like Andrew should be mad at. Well, so the toughest part about analyzing Zach this season, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of the, the few Jet fans that I don't think he's good. Let me just, I'm not one of those Jets fans. Okay. He's actually good. You're just not looking at the game right. I do think this team had bigger problems than Zach Wilson's inabilities. I think their offensive line is, is battered and they're, they've had like 11 different offensive line combos this year. Their wide receiver room is Zach, is, is Garrett Wilson and then a bunch of third wide receivers and worse. Like all the guys they went out to get to play with Aaron Rodgers have just not been uh, productive. Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, the offensive coordinator who's been super conservative and uncreative with this this quarterback. And I got to say, like all of these frustrations that Jets fans have been arguing with each other about, is Zach good? Is it that bad? Are, Are we letting the defense down? Is it the play calling? This all goes back to the fact that the season took a gigantic knockout blow four plays in. When the franchise, the new franchise quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, gets hurt, we all waited eight weeks before we actually started to mourn that or heal from that because that upended the whole plan. And we're now dealing with the aftermath 11 weeks later. And real quick, I'll ask you this um, so we can put a bow on this with the Jets. Okay, they go back to Wilson as the starter this week against the Texans. But what about beyond? What about the future? Should the Jets move on from the former number two overall pick after the season? I think this is going to be the last few starts you see of Zach Wilson in a, in a Jets uniform. If you look at their salary cap uh, complications, they didn't just get Aaron Rodgers for this year. Like Even if he retires, their, their cap hold for this quarterback is, is severe. So they've made a two to potentially three-year commitment to Aaron Rodgers. So I think Zach is going to play however many games the rest of this season, maybe as long as he doesn't get hurt, like a healthy final four, four or five games, and then they'll see what they can get, a fifth-round pick. Like Trey Lance was barely playing, and he got a third-round pick. So they'll, they'll try to find him a new home. I'm very curious how good of a home they try to find him. I don't know if it's going to be an Obi Toppin situation where they'd set him to the perfect spot for him. But they, they, well, I think the bigger revelation of this season was for the Jets is even if Rodgers was healthy, this was not a Super Bowl good enough offense. It's a Super Bowl defense, but the problems they have on the O-line probably would still exist. The problems they would have in the wide receiver room and their playmaking, their play calling would still exist. And having to make Zach Wilson look good for 11, 12 weeks exposed all those problems. So Joe Douglas, because I think he's still going to be here, is going to have his work cut out for him. And this season showed just how much work that is. Still is a lot of work to do. Jets fans, I know it's a disappointing season for you and other Jets fans, but the work will begin in the offseason once again. Hopefully, I've been, I feel like I've been saying this the last two weeks on the show. Hope. <laughs> We've been talking about a lot of hope, hope around the yeah. Jets. I'm not sure we should, but there's been talk about a lot of hope. But we will see. All right. Let's talk some Knicks basketball. Andrew, obviously being executive producer for Knicks Film School, to which he does such an amazing job. Interesting week for the Knicks. Because on Tuesday, after the Knicks were bounced from the in-season tournament by the Bucks, shooting guard Quentin Grimes said he was not happy with his role in the team's offense. He's the second Knickerbocker to complain about this in a couple of weeks. Grimes has struggled shooting the ball recently. Then we see the change Friday against Boston. Grimes removed from the starting lineup, Dante DiVincenzo in. 
Grimes played better. He was a little more aggressive in Friday's game. But here's a question for me. Who's to blame for Grimes not feeling involved in the offense right now? Because when you look at the starting unit, they've been playing well. Before he got moved out, I think there were 6.4 points per 100 possessions. The bench was 8.2 points per 100 possessions. It's pretty good for both units playing. But who's to blame when you have players saying, like Grimes, they're not feeling involved in offense? So there's no one culprit here. Um, I do think the head coach shares a little bit of blame. I know everybody's been begging for a, a more diverse playbook where it's less of a heavy isolation, a read and react type of offense. I do think the, the starting five that Quentin Grimes was a part of, he's just stuck with three isolation players that aren't great passers. Like Jalen Brunson, he's just he's a six foot guard that is an isolation uh, machine that is really good in the half court in isolation. We see it in, cl- in clutch time how good he is. The problem is sometimes he can have some tunnel vision. Speaking of tunnel vision, he also shares a court with Julius Randle. And look, R.J. Barrett got off to this in- incredible start to the season. Then he went out with a knee injury and some migraines, and that version of R.J. has not existed since coming back from the migraine in- from, the- from the migraines. And look, I-, I think Grimes was always frustrated being the fourth option on offense with those starters the second unit plays with a little more ball movement there also seemed to be a chemistry with DiVincenzo when he'd play with like you want to talk you talked about the lineup data yeah the starting lineup was a plus six the bench was a plus eight put Josh Hart and DiVincenzo in with the starters and it was plus 24 switch out DiVincenzo for quickly it was plus 30 Mm. so like there were other options at the two guard which then brings me to the humanity of Quentin Grimes. And what I saw was a player that anytime he touched the ball, it was hot potato. And like he wasn't rotating into space at times when to create passing lanes. Like there's multiple people involved, whether it's Tibbs not calling plays for him, the playmakers not trying to find him, but also Quentin Grimes kind of being in his head. He's a third year player. He's still pretty young. Like that is a normal thing, especially when a team, when you went down with a, a knee injury for a couple of days, Show they have other options at your position. So my hope, I know the Celtics game put everybody down the dumps, but (laughs) my hope is that we saw a version of Grimes that is a bit more aggressive, is in a a system or with players that are are much more uh, easy to pass the ball to and going to look for him more. And, you know, hopefully this gets swashed pretty easily. Yeah, Knicks fans hoping that he's a bit more productive in his role off the bench. We'll see how long that stays, although good points by you bringing up the data with DiVincenzo playing with the starting unit and how that has looked. Okay, right now we got to assess the Knicks. You know, we're at this really good point. We're at the quarter mark of the mm-hmm. season. Knicks have played 21 games, 12-9 and nine record. What's your evaluation of this team at this point in the season. Look, I know it's an interesting question because we're coming <laughs> off them having back-to-back losses to the Bucks and the Celtics. So vibes are not that great with the Knicks right now. But what, what do you think of this Knicks team at this point in the season? A little behind the scenes for everybody at home. We were originally going to do this a week ago. And yeah. I, got, I, <laughs> yeah. I had to reschedule to today. If we had had this conversation a week ago <laughs> and they had just come off their most impressive win of the season in Toronto – the vibes would have been so much better. That team, like the 30 assists that night, it was, a, it was a back-to-back against the tough Toronto team that had just ended the Suns' winning streak. And Randall looked amazing. The, the bench unit looked amazing. Like RJ was, was passing. Like they, they were just finding ways to, to really put the nail in the coffin on a team that they're better than. 
And then a week later, they played the two best teams in the conference. And it seems like a, a reality check has set in on the fan base. Like, oh, we're not as good as them. Like last year, the Bucks weren't as good and we played them much closer. The, the Celtics, we beat them three out of four times, including both times up in, in Toronto Dominion, as I call it. Like, I don't call it the Garden. We can't call that arena in Boston the Garden. It's just against my religion, unfortunately. Can't do that. I'm with you. But like, there is a clear frustration I sense from the fan base that what we thought this team was last year is it's not replicable because of how much better Boston and Milwaukee got. And because of what happened in the pre in the play in tournament, I keep calling it the play in tournament, the in season tournament, um, the Knicks ended up playing an extra game against those two teams. So I wonder what this team really 10 games from now will let me, let me backtrack. 12 games from now will be the real temperature check. They play two games against teams they should beat. They play Toronto again and then Utah. Their last 10 games of 2023 are against teams over 500. That will tell you. Like, it's not like the two against Milwaukee. Those are the elite teams. They play Minnesota again. They play OKC. Get through that stretch and you're five, six games over 500, still on the playoff hunt. Schedule lightens up. You, you vibes will start to return. Where the Knicks are now, as far as the temperature check, I think the reality is starting to set in. We're battling for third place at the moment. We're battling for to be the three seed at best, maybe the four seed, maybe the, the fifth seed like they were last year. And, you know, transactional talk, there's, there's oh. going to be a talent upgrade eventually to this team that, yeah. you know, this, this front office has made no, no uh, hidden uh, agendas about what they're trying to do. So it, I know that I'm kind of all over the place, but because this team, this is the vibes a bit all over the place. It's been as high as we are. We're a conference finalist contender. And then this week almost brought that that all crashing back down to reality that no, we're at best. We can get like a, a first round win and, and call it a day. You know? Yeah. And I think the thing right now is the Knicks are two and nine at this point against teams with winning records. Mm -hmm. They're 0 and five against the Celtics and the Bucks. So I think fans, as you said, the vibe has been, all right, maybe we're just middle of the Eastern Conference, which I would like to note is not terrible when you have young players mm -hmm. and assets like the Knicks do in draft picks. It's not a bad place to be in the middle. You don't want to be in the middle when you don't have the assets. That's when it's bad. If they were the Bulls and they were just like stuck into this team right. or if they were like Minnesota last year, there was a lot of questions about that team because they've gone all in on that roster. It's clearly paying dividends now. But where the Knicks are, there's a clearly a move to be made, maybe a couple moves to be made. So they're, 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 things may not be great at the moment, but I, we're like two wins away from it being like, right, you know what, maybe we can win the <laughs> conference final, get to a conference final. Why not? Right. And I, who knows what happens like the rest of this week? I could see it already. They, they win against Toronto. They win a road game in Utah. And it's. All right, so Tibbs, coach of the year. Like, look what he's doing with this team without a superstar. Yeah, so. it's interesting. You know the vibes can uh, swing in many different oh, directions. Yeah. Andrew Claudio, he's going to be on top of it all season, producing the great content that he does for Knicks Film School. Andrew, I'm so glad you were able to stop by for the New York Sports Rapid Rundown. We're going we to gotta do this again sometime. Absolutely, Dex. Thank you for having me. And uh, everybody, check out Nick's Film School. Yes. Uh, you can see me wearing the merch. Check out our merch store. Uh, keep you warm throughout the holidays. And thanks, uh, Dexter. Again, thank you for having me, man. Glad to have you. As he said, check out Nick's Film School. Check them out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button for them as well, too. So much great content. Appreciate you, Andrew. We'll do it again next time on the New York Sports Rapid Rundown.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.